I tried to. I haven't got into it yet. I'm trying my hardest. That's the first one, anything, you know, not giving us something to do, is because there's a, self-centeredness has a lot of ways of expressing itself, and one of them is doing and having. It's the modality most of us are in because there's the sense of being the doer, and our whole life is really predicated the way we take it to be on our being a personal doer. Every, the whole point is if it wasn't if you weren't the doer of your life then whose life would it be anyway it would be a giant question in you and the mind doesn't like questions it likes to know so there's a sense of doing of being the doer and obviously being the doer its way of knowing is usually predicated on doing and having and that means you get something from its activity and so a lot of us have gotten a whole lot of something and in, in, in a sense it's really hasn't done anything for us. It hasn't brought us the peace, joy, and happiness. Just like progress hasn't br brought us the leisure time we thought it was supposed to, it's actually made people more busy. It's just the way it goes here. Everything is asked backwards. So that's why we're, we're putting it out that we're hopefully this is a message and an invitation for you to entertain basically nothing. Just to sense what's going on. Because what's actually happening a lot is most people are living as if they are what's conscious. I'm conscious. That is a fact. I know things. I can cognize. I feel, hear, see, taste, and touch. But I is this. I am what's conscious. But really, what we are is the consciousness of. The consciousness of has been forgotten. And we're taking ourselves to be conscious as this. So the the real way of traveling here is in the sense of the consciousness of. That's the act of being here. Yeah? Consciousness is, con is having contact with this place, the seeming place, by hearing, feeling, tasting, touching, and smelling. Yeah? So that's the conscious contact. The mental reaction to it is, I'm what's in conscious contact. I'm seeing, hearing, feeling, tasting, touching. It's very, it seems like a very small little miscalibration, but as it presents itself in time and space, it generalizes. It gets more and more and more and more and more seemingly real. So there's the consciousness of, which is the activity of being here. Yeah? You're noticing anything about here is your conscious of. That's how you have a sense of here, is that you're conscious of it. There is no real here that could inform itself on you. You actually inform yourself of it. So consciousness of what's going on, instead of consciousness, conscious as this. That's the dilemma. And you can see where it's that 
misidentification is reinforced every day, every moment, because every moment there's conscious contact. You're seeing, hearing, feeling, tasting, and touching. And you're not, but that's what's going on. So that's the activity of consciousness. But then the mind's re reaction to that is, I am conscious. I as this. See? So it can't erase the conscious contact, but it claims the conscious contact. Yeah? It can erase what's real, like the present moment, so it fills it up with preoccupied with the past and future. It has a way of avoiding the reality of what's so by making a seeming other reality. So the reality here is told from the point of view that I'm the one that's conscious. I'm seeing, I'm hearing, I'm feeling, I'm tasting, I'm touching, I'm doing this, I'm doing that, constantly. When that claiming occurs and it becomes a habit, we become, as this thing that's seemingly conscious, we become unconscious of consciousness. Yeah? We're unconscious of consciousness because we think we're conscious. So we give this, the claiming of being conscious, which it isn't. All there is is consciousness. Yeah? So con actually consciousness is conscious of this. This is another object in, this, in the realm of consciousness. Consciousness is conscious of the body and mental reactions. That's how you can see the selfing instead of seeing from it. Yeah? When you're conscious as this, you're seeing from selfing. That's what's going on. The selfing has claimed the conscious contact and caused it and has presented it to be you, which is in contact. Yes? And so it has claimed that and you become unconscious to the consciousness. But consciousness is of, so whatever is appearing, it can be conscious of, and what's appearing is a mental process yeah, that's making up a product called self. So the mental process, I would call it selfing. It's a verb. It's selfing, selfing, selfing. And that verb makes up a product called self. Yeah? So it takes, it, it, it implies out of all this verbing that there's a noun yeah, called Paul. And it reinforces or anchors that assumption by body perception. So you perceive the body like, like a master, a Zen master said, whatever you can perceive cannot be perceiving. Yeah? So you perceive the body, but you give the body the claim of being the one who's perceiving. Yeah? But Huang Po tried to correct that by saying whatever can be perceived, which is thoughts, this, feelings, yeah, sensations, you perceive them, cannot be what's perceiving. So what's perceiving is the consciousness. Yeah? The consciousness that's moving through here and becoming conscious of. It's moving through the body and it is conscious of the body. And it's also conscious of the mental process. So you can see selfing. Yeah? And when you see selfing, that's the activity of being conscious. When you see from selfing, that's the denial of your nature, which is consciousness, and then you become conscious which is actually a form of unconsciousness to the fact of what you are. Yeah? So in the same way, seeing, this, which is seeing isn't just visual. We use, you know, we believe it's, people tend to think seeing is visual, but seeing is just awareness. Yeah? So you're seeing in five different ways, hearing, feeling, tasting, touching, smelling. They're all forms of seeing. Yeah? That seeing, again, can't be, dis can't be denied by the mental process, but it gets hijacked and it becomes a form of looking. So like St. Francis was supposedly supposedly said, which is, what's looking, which is seeing, 
Yeah? What's looking is seeing, not you. What's looking is what is the you is what you are looking for. So what's looking gets claimed by the mental process, turns into you looking for what? What's looking? <laughs> and based on this primary ignorance, you become ignore you ignore where the location of what's looking is, that seeing which is everywhere, and you start looking for it in special somewheres. You believe it's in this or in that or in this or in my pocket book or whatever. So I'm now looking. What's looking is what I'm looking for, but I'm looking for it in all the wrong places because I believe it's a place or a thing. So if I acquire that thing, then I will find what I'm lo what's looking, which is the true source of satisfaction and peace. Obviously, it hasn't worked. Because if you had found it, you would have stopped looking for it. Wouldn't it be? If you would have found what you were seeking for, seeking would have probably been able to stop. Why is it that it continues on? Because the seeking isn't really about finding. It's about reflecting the seeker. Yeah? The seeking makes up the seeker. So the seeker is very, very... That, act, that idea of being the seeker is very, very, very much invested in continually seeking. Because you have to constantly identify the verb with a noun. If there's no seeking, you would question the idea of being the seeker. If you weren't the doer and the haver of this life, you would really question whose life is it anyway. Seriously. So while you're constantly doing and having and seeking, it sort of makes up the illusion of being the noun, the doer, the haver, and the seeker. So they're both connected. You can't. The seeker does not want to give up seeking because that's actually its relevance. Because it has no relevance as a seeker. Without seeking, there's no seeker. Just like in recovery, people talk about sponsors and sponsees, but they're really, it's a verb of sponsoring. If the verb of sponsoring isn't happening, there is really no sponsor or sponsee. They're nouns and noun only. There's no verb. So what's the point? Someone says, oh, I have a sponsor, but never talked to him in four months. There's, that's actually not true, because there's no sponsoring. So the verbing is what informs the noun. So the seeking forms the mind that, hey, I'm the seeker. Yeah. Because why? It claims the seeking. Now, this is the beauty of it. You don't have to stop. First of all, there's no you to stop it. But seeking doesn't have to stop. You just have to see it as a verb, not from a noun. If you see it as a verb, there's absolutely no problem. It's one of the millions of verbs that happen here. Seeking happens here. Yeah. Relaxing happens here. Being unrelaxed happens here. Why does it constantly imply that there's a you that's unrelaxed? Or there's a you that's relaxed? Why is it that that add-on is what's emphasized and the relaxing isn't emphasized? If the relaxing was emphasized, you would know its nature, which is it comes and goes, so you wouldn't be so flipped out when unrelaxing showed up. Because unrelaxing will come and go. Every verb comes and goes. If it, if it stayed and stayed, it would be a noun, in a way. So every verb's coming and going. But if I'm conscious as this, I have caused consciousness to be forgotten. I become the noun. This object takes the role of being the subject because all the subjectification of every one of these objects is consciousness. Consciousness is what's seeing, hearing, feeling, tasting, touching. The body is not seeing, hearing, feeling, tasting, and touching. It's not happening. Consciousness is what's seeing, hearing, feeling, tasting, touching. Consciousness is the subject of your life. 
you as this is an object that subject is moving through to have an experience of other objects. This has taken itself to be the subject, it's forgotten the real subject, and now it's taking on all the burden of being the doer and the haver. Life is all about me, it's up to me. Life isn't just happening, but it's happening to me or by me. And you become the big mover and shaker, and you know what? It's like putting a ton of product in a half-ton pickup. You can't take it as an apparatus. It's way too much burden to be carrying around that you're the center of the universe. <laughs> It must be unbearable. But as when you, because the center of the universe is consciousness. So when you claim the position of consciousness, but don't have the ability to withstand that position, which you don't, as a conditioned mind, an object can never rise up to the state of being the subject. Okay? So, in a way, that subjectivity is like the scientist looking through the telescope. It's looking through these telescopes, certain lenses, and it allows the scientists to see the stars. Its perception changes. It thinks the stars are closer. If you looked at the event from far away, the stars haven't moved any closer. It's all subjective. The person looks through these certain lenses, and he can see the stars. In the same sense, consciousness comes through these lenses and then sees the world. It's not actually happening. If you saw it from above, outside, well, there would be no outside and everywhere, but if you could possibly get to a point of seeing it, you would see probably there is no world. It's just happening. Yeah? Some mind is entertaining it. But here it perceives, you perceive it to be a world. Yeah? So consciousness, the subject, comes through the telescope and gets to see, hear, feel, taste, and touch this place. Yeah? What an incredible... Talk about an amusement park. It's like total surround experience. You're not just seeing or hearing, you're feeling, tasting, touching, and also thinking around it. Jesus, that's six forms, six ways of meeting something. It's incredible. So there you are. So consciousness is the subject, moving through this object. The poor object has a mental process that claims itself to be the subject, becomes incredibly burdened by this incredible responsibility. <laughs> All that attention is like a giant spotlight, and you're, you just can't handle it. It's like a, when you were a kid, and you were playing with a, an animal, a little insect, and you wanted to see its shell, so you'd get a magnifying glass, and you didn't know the, sh the sun was right behind you on the shoulder, and you by just your looking, you burned the poor little thing to death. You, all you want to do is know it, yeah? So all you want to do is know you, but you burn you up to... First of all, you don't burn you, but you burn the head to death because that attention magnified through the self-centeredness and you know the identification of self is just way too much for you that's why you go home and all day instead of having what life presented your mind represents it and you go over it over it with all these assumed superpowers such as it could have been different if I would have said this if they wouldn't have come, if I didn't get hit by the car, if somehow something that had happened didn't have happened, I, could, I can entertain incredibly different results than where I feel I am now, which is unbearable. It's all, it's like, those are like doors in hell. When you see the door and it has if only on it, don't go there. If you open that door and you would start entertaining, if only. If only I didn't get hit by that car. If only I had money. If only this, that. Or, oh, let's leave there. I should have. 
All right, let me open the pack. I should have. I should have. And then, then it's companion. I shouldn't have. You get lost in there for a long period of time, right? If only I should have. And what if? What if? What if I was a woman? I'd have two kids by now. But I'm not a woman. So therefore, I don't have two kids. What if I had a million dollars? But you don't. So the whole thing is the head represents, doesn't it? It represents your life as if you're a God that could change it. Doesn't it? I mean, why would you think about something that's unchangeable unless you had a feeling that you could change it by thinking about it? I mean, except why would your head dwell on something that's unchangeable unless it believed it had the power to change it? And contrary to all the evidence that that activity presents, it keeps on keeping on. It keeps on representing life to you as if it could be different. If this person wasn't there, and this person was there, and I had this and this and that. And then I can speculate, usually on a mythically great uh, result, which you know, <laughs> these things... That's just a giant leap to believe that if it was the way you thought, it would be great. How many times does that happen? So this idea of representing everything is based on you believe you have options. You believe things could be different. Literally. What about it? That is a constant denial of as things as they are. And then you want to try to entertain acceptance down that track? You are so far gone from the point of acceptance, it's pointless to even bring it up as a topic. You'll just drive yourself more crazy. Acceptance is the easiest activity of all. You're sitting right here. What is it that I need to do to change anything here if I'm, if I'm in acceptance? Absolutely nothing. Everything is just totally okay as it is. There's absolutely no effort or thought on your part in acceptance. And that's the traveling lighter. That's the freedom. Not a freedom next week or five years from now when you graduate but a freedom that is applicable each moment. You travel, not with it, but as it. Yeah? Consciousness is the lightest thing of all. It's no thing, yet it touches upon everything here. You wouldn't have any sense of everything that appears here without that no thing. It's the lightest of all lightness. It just touches, knows, 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 knows. It can't be located, it can't be quantified, it can't be captured, nor can it be expired. It's always so at all times. You and I are everywhere, at every moment, at all times. But you and I, the mind wants to keep demanding and being stubborn about the thing that is specially in a somewhere. I'm in a special somewhere, like a gated community, and everywhere is out there, and if I want to know everywhere, I can know it in the special somewhere. Obviously, if everywhere is everywhere, there is no special somewhere. If there's a constant reinforcement that I'm a special somewhere, then you'll never have the true sense of everywhere. And that's what's looking, and that's what you are looking for. You are looking for the sense of the presence of everywhere, but it can't be entertained as a special somewhere. The special somewhere excludes you, seemingly, it can't do it for sure, it excludes you from the sense of everywhereness, because you want to feel it as a special somewhere. 
That's the whole point. When you recognize, I'm not conscious as this, I'm conscious of this, that's the sense of everywhere. Yeah? Because it's not, if you're conscious of this, where are you conscious of this from? Tell me. From the east? From the south? From the other room? From the, the bedroom? From the attic? From the cellar? Obviously, you can't locate what's conscious of this. Can you? You can locate consciousness as this, and in this special somewhere, consciousness can appear to be unconscious to you. And it can appear to be conscious based on what you do and have. Your con when you start thinking you're conscious, there's a story that you did something to start becoming conscious. Isn't there? It always there is. It's always based on somehow you did and had something to become more conscious. And conversely, you can do and have something become less conscious. That to me is playing God. That's what the little selfing does. It plays God in your little subjective realm in this little objective special somewhere. It's playing God. It's If you want to know God, who informs you if you're knowing it or not? Who informs you? Does God inform you that you're knowing God better than you used to? Or is it your head that informs you? Hey, I'm getting close. Yeah? You, took a, you bought this little package deal. If you do a lot of retreats and you this and that, this and that, you'll feel closer to God. And some other group says they go to church and feel close to God. He says, ah, oh, that's not the way, this is the way. Neither of them the way. How can you be anywhere closer to everywhere than you are right now? How can you get to the center of everywhere from your special somewhere? Where could you t start a journey to everywhere? You can only start from everywhere. Where is the center of everywhere? Everywhere. Where must you actually be located? Somewhere in everywhere. I would say it dropped to somewhere, everywhere. What do you need to do then to entertain everywhere? Stop entertaining somewhere. Now, how do I entertain somewhere? The beginning of entertaining somewhere, you're entertaining yourself as somewhere. You're entertaining yourself as the subject of your life when actually this is an object in life. When this object is seen to be an object, and that surrendering, like this, I was in Chicago, and a guy was there, and he was telling me about this uh, psychiatrist when he did his master thesis. He did a study on alcoholism and recovery, and he wasn't in recovery. And he said his whole program, his whole paper just basically diluted the whole message of AA into one sentence. They just stopped playing God. That's the whole point. The whole point of the recovery program is they, the they that you're not, stop playing God. Now, how do you stop playing God is realize you're not the thing that's playing God. Because it's playing God with your godliness, in a sense. It's your juice that it's able to play God with. It doesn't, it can't, it, See, it isn't God, so it has to play it. So it has to use your energy that it gets access to because you're identified as what is presenting you to be, this, this mental image. And then it uses your energy to play God with. And you seem to be the effect of it. <laughs> what else could show the effect of an object? You can't affect subject. It doesn't have any skin or 
plans or agendas. It's no thingness. But it sure can be. It sure can affect an object that thinks it's just a subject. So a life run on self-will, as a, as this is the subject, the object's probably going to have a heavy, heavy road because you're going to have a lot of effects. Yeah, a lot of effects appearing in the object. To me, they're truly causeless effects because they're not coming from anything real. You're really bringing about a condition based on what's not happening most of the time. Right now, the condition you probably, if you were awake, which you are here, what you were conscious of instead of conscious as, you would be responding to what's happening in this meeting, and nothing's happening really. Maybe boredom for some, whatever. But most, a lot of us are reacting to what's not happening. And in what's not happening, anything can be happening. You can be destitute next week. You can have cancer. Your girlfriend may be sleeping with your best friend next week. And with, when your mind's entertaining that, it downloads an effect from what's not happening. So you have to realize it is a causeless effect. That what's not happening is not happening. So it's causeless, right? It produces a mental effect, and it causes an effect here. So it's not what's not happening that's causing the effect. It's you that's causing the effect by entertaining what's not happening. And then the effect, the mental effect, moves through the body, and you get nervous, flipped out, anxious, mind races, sweaty, digestion gets bad. You start having disease. Yeah? All because of what's not happening. Now, what's the solution to what's not happening? The only one that works. What could it possibly be? People are trying to offer you thousands of solutions to what's not happening. Years of therapy, this and that. What's the true solution? Recognizing it's not happening. Isn't that beautiful? If you recognize what's not happening is not happening, what else do you have to do with it? If you do anything to it, it would be that you would believe it was happening. Literally. Any other response is a belief that it's happening. That's how it plays God. Your ability to believe it's happening makes it seem to be happening. And yet, if you look at it from consciousness, the most obvious hit you get is it's not happening. Because all you're doing is thinking about it. And I'm seeing the thinking. I'm not feeling it. I'm not tasting it. I'm not touching it. I'm not smelling it. It can produce effects here in this, but the consciousness is very clear it's not happening. Yeah? That's the solution. So if it's not happening, then a person in this life maybe is going to have 15 times, if he's unlucky, where fear is an invalid emotion, where fear is meant to be kicked in. There's a threat and there's a fear arises and you have that movement of adrenaline, take flight or fight. But the mental activity is producing the physiological effects of fear without anything to be afraid of. Constantly buzzing us, not us, but this apparatus, buzzing this object with like electroshock about what could possibly happen and not happening. <laughs> and then the story about what you think happened is totally a story. Like we watched a movie last night, the guy was afraid, I have a memory of a memory. Exactly. Every time you remember, that's a new memory. Yeah? You're remembering. And every time you remember, it changes the memory. Yeah? The one interpretation gets a little change and change. And then at one time you were the bad guy, now you're the good guy. One time you were a good guy, now you're the bad guy. Whatever the mind wants to use it as. 
So it's constantly representing supposedly your life <laughs> to sell you a product. It's called a self. And then you believe it, the A drops off and it's self. And now you're at its effect, big time as this. It's producing a lot of effects as you, by you, for you, through you. Now, what you call life, your take on life is now happening to you. It's the greatest playing God I've ever seen. Life is happening, and now life as interpreted by you is happening to you. <laughs> Have you heard people call you up and tell their view of life, how life's happening to them? You haven't seen it at all. I don't see life happening to you like that. I, life is happening to me like that. Well, you have to see it. It's totally subjective. You're giving it all the freaking meaning it has. Your apparatus is giving everything the meaning it has. How can you not see that? This is a problem today if I'm not in good shape. It's not a problem tomorrow if I am in good shape. And then it's a problem again if I'm not in good shape. What the freak is it? It's like a canvas. You just paint it. Let's say the life is presenting all these different colors and your obsession with self and identification of self could be represented by the tint yellow. Yeah? So everything is, has its own, some different colors arise, but you just wash it with yellow every day. Your point of view just tints everything. And you think, you still believe it's happening from outside, as if that has a real yellow tint to it. It has no tint. It's neutral in a sense. You're giving it all the meaning it has. And the point is, there is more than one station. If K-Paul is giving your life all the meaning it has, and you're buying its products all freaking day, Jesus Christ. You've got a subscription of one, one subscriber, you. No one else is listening to you. Even your intimate other doesn't believe a word you're freaking saying. <laughs> you got one subscriber to the whole movie, but you're damned, you're damned if it's not happening to you. There's other stations you can pick up. Your antenna isn't, uh, doesn't have a lifelong binding subscription to cable. It can open up and pick up some different information. Yeah, when that information starts flowing, like the information, hey, I'm consciousness of this, not consciousness as this. Yeah. Holy cow, now I see, without any effort or thought on this part, I see life is happening through. It's obvious, yeah? You start seeing blue is blue and red is red. Things become obvious to you. You're not confused anymore. Yeah? You just see. And seeing after a while, when relied upon, its information is like a quantum download. You just see. The head doesn't want to see, it wants to look. So it tries to, it jumps on the seeing, calls it a way of looking, and you believe a way of looking is going to lead you to seeing. It isn't. It's a form of blindness here. Because every way of looking has you as the looker involved in it. And that you as the looker, that is the dilemma. Not what's looking being looked at, it's who's looking. Yeah. How can a product of a mental process ever transcend the mental process? Literally, if the feeling you have of you has been produced by a mental process, how could that thing that's produced by a mental process actually transcend the mental process and be a solid, real, separate, long-lasting, independent entity somewhere else? It only exists in your head. Yes? Self-centeredness is a mental process. 
what you're feeling as you is a product of that mental process. Self can never get out of self. If it got out of self, what it would get out of was what it would be when it got out of self was that it never existed as a self. That's how you get out of self. You realize I was never that. It's not like I was that, now I'm a non-self. No. There's a recognition there's never been a long-lasting independent separate entity. All there's been is consciousness of. I was conscious of thoughts. I became super conscious of those thoughts. They caused me to become unconscious. Now I'm living as this, and I'm suffering the trials and tribulations of a place that can hurt me and cannot bring me what I want, and I can lose what I have, and I can be here searching for love and never find it. I can be surrounded by people and never find the love I want to find because I am that love. I keep denying what's looking is what I'm looking for, and I want you to be what I'm looking for, and of course you have to fail me. Of course you have to disappoint me because you don't have the goods to deliver what's looking because it's already so. You cannot bring me what's looking. What's looking is something realized in the, in the scene, yes? It's a verb. You recognize it by its activity. You can't recognize it as its stillness because it's a no thing, yes? You can't find it like in Mill Valley. You can't go at, you know, East Blythdale at 12.30 and you're going to run into no thingness. No. No thingness is intimated by its activity knowing, by seeing. In the act of seeing, which is conscious contact, you can intimate what's seen. And it ain't you as a body. Yeah? What's seeing is no thingness. You want to call it consciousness or awareness, but it's what's seen. Yeah? And it's not you as a body. I mean, people go to Empire State Building, they look through these telescopes on the top. At least when I was a kid, they used to go, those double ones. And so you can see the city. And it may, hundreds of people look through those telescopes. I don't believe one believes they're the telescope when they start walking away from it. But in this sense, consciousness has become identified as the telescope. Yes? And the mental process keeps that identification constantly reinforced by the daily narrative based on you as this. Da, 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 da. And all your perceptions are based at, on you as this. Perceptions are not valid. They're very malleable. Things can appear true or false to you. It's all based on seemingly. Yes, Something can appear to be true or it can appear to be false. Perceptions are not rock-solid litmus tests of what's going on here. They're influenced by where they're coming from. If they're seen from this apparatus, they're just all they are are seemingly so. It appears to be true or false to you because it's a subjective experience. But when true subjectivity is noted in the living of it, you'll see it. All it is is clarity. Awareness has no opinions of what's being seen, felt, taste, touch, smell. It's just engaged in the knowing. Hmm. It arrests your attention, but not as Alex. It arrests your attention as consciousness. Yeah, it's so totally absorbed in conscious contact. It's totally up to its non-neck in conscious contact. And then, unfortunately, because it's conscious, it's also conscious of the mental process. But our attention and interest, because we believe the mental process is about this, 
and seeing, hearing, and feeling, and tasting aren't but don't have as much of an impact as thinking does about this. We're dwelling in that little porno theater. We're just watching the representing of life every day, comparing it to other representations of others' lives, judging other people's outsides to our insides. Oh, they look like they're really happy. They're fucked as much as you are. They're doing so much better than me. Don't, don't. Spend a few minutes with them. You may find a different story. Yeah? So it's representing, representing. You can't even sleep when you go home at night. It's just representing. Story about the day concerning you. You know how many billions of humans and things have been living in a day? But it's all about you. Can you imagine? Eight billion like tripods of attention and interest and you're just taking all that and just putting it on the tripod thing. You're not even the camera. Like there's the camera and there's a tripod. The tripod positions the camera so we can see. This apparatus is like the tripod and it positions the camera of consciousness so it can see, hear, feel, taste, touch. And we're thinking of, we're telling the story of life based on the tripod. I'm in a really good position. I'm in Pacific Heights. Yes. Really good. It's much better than that position at 6th and Market. Yes, yes. But it's the camera. Not the freaking tripod. My tripod's got this incredible band up there. We're doing well. I can't sleep in it. I have insomnia because my mind's representing the day, but I got an incredible bed. Come on, let me look at the bed. Are you in there a lot? No, I can't even sleep. But look at this bed. If I could possibly sleep, I'd be sleeping much better than you. I know it because I spent $8,000 on this bed. But you can't even sleep because you're representing it. They lose Pacific Heights, the tripod, concerned about where I'll be as the tripod. <laughs> the camera's just seeing like it always does. However you're presented is being seen by consciousness. If you're presenting yourself as totally depressed and bummed out, seeing is involved in that. If you're seeing yourself, I'm doing really good this weekend, seeing is involved in that. Every take, good and bad, high and low, near and far, progress, regression, all the takes your head has, there's one quality that's always involved in those takes, seeing of it. You're seeing it. You're seeing every moment there's consciousness, or you wouldn't have a moment to think was yours. There'd be no claiming of the moment. It'd be so obvious that there's just a moment and there's no one to claim it. Yeah. Seeing, hearing, feeling, tasting, touching. The activity of consciousness here. Being conscious of. That's the verb of consciousness, is conscious of. That's how it verbs. Consciousness, they say, is the stillness, the emptiness, the voidless void, whatever you want to call it, awareness. And then when it manifests here, it's being. So it's being how? Conscious of. That's its being. So someone's running, that would be running. That's the verb. Here, consciousness is knowing, seeing. That's what it does. It's conscious. So that's its activity. When it's verbing, it's it's being aware of. It's being aware of. It's being aware of. And here, there's so much you can be unaware of. Because consciousness has been forgotten, and we believe that you can be conscious or unconscious. You can have an unconscious and a, and a conscious conscious. Yeah? There can be the deep underlying surfaces that are running the show, and then there's the conscious awareness. But in fact, all there is is consciousness. Of course, when things appear here, they get broken up into a dualistic
construct, yeah? So consciousness can appear to be conscious and unconscious. And then when it starts appearing to be conscious to you, yeah, you will see that, oh, I've done something, and I've had something, and now I, the one who is conscious, is becoming more conscious. Oh, great, great, great. A great doer and a great haver. And then, conversely, I, if I forget to meditate today, are less conscious. Now, to me, that's total delusion, because all there is is consciousness. It's a simple recognition of what's so. Travel as it. Or don't. You're still going to travel as it. See? If it, had, if it was a choice, you'd be relevant again. You see? That's the whole point of selfing. It wants to be freaking relevant. It wants to write itself into the story. This is about being totally irrelevant. That's the freedom. Just like in recovery, the freedom is abstinence, if people don't know it. It's abstinence. There's no thinking about it anymore. The problem doesn't exist for you. It's not having, I'm bought it over my dilemma of addiction, and, but I have to fight it every day. That's one state. But there's a possibility of being totally, the problem will not exist for you. To me, that's freedom. It's abstinence. You're just like, there's no option. Oh, I think I want to have a glass of wine today. It never even comes up anymore. You never even think about it. That's the freedom from it. The same thing with this. It's like, go, go to a cafe today. Listen for an hour. Any cafe you want. I bet you you will not hear one person talk about the effects of gravity in that cafe. Now, one person's going, man, gravity's heavy on my left shoulders. How about you? On your, I see it on your right. Your right's a little down. It's a bitch, this gravity. When can we get out of this gravity? No one knows at all the effects of gravity. None. We're walking around as physicalities being affected by energies we have no freaking idea of. The only way you'd know it by would be its absence. If you went into an anti-gravitational room, you would know the presence of gravity by its absence. The same thing with anxiety. It is. It's not so, but it seems to be so. It's as if you were born and someone put a hand on your shoulder. Yeah? And that hand was there the rest of your life. You wouldn't know it was there because it was always there. You never recognize what's always so. Never. Your mind cannot recognize what's always so. But you would know it so by its lifting. So when I first got into recovery, what happened is that hand of constant anxiety was lifted, and I realized its size and its weight and, I, and its grip. I saw it. Yeah? But I finally saw it by its absence, by its lifting. I never saw it when it was totally running the show. But by its lifting, I saw it. recognizes the absence of the wetness. It's flipping out. It can't breathe and everything like this. It had no idea that the medium was its whole existence until it's taken out of it. Then it wants to get back in. It's flapping, flapping, flapping. What we're basically doing here now are flapping on the deck. Every one of us. We've denied the medium that we're taking ourselves to be the one and we're just all your all out gyrations and the yapping we're doing with each other on the phone is just a fish flapping on a deck <laughs> wanting to get back into its medium yeah? but while it's constantly in its medium it has no recognition of it not one bit we're totally immersed we're totally soaked acting as if we're dry looking for little glasses of water and paying handsomely and you're lucky if you can get half a glass and of course you got to subscribe and come back because the next
it's a drag to try to jump off a train, the faster it goes, you're going to get hurt, eh? So if your train of thought's going five miles per hour, you jump off, you may get a little bit of an emotional hangover. 30 miles per hour is probably a huge situation. So if you're the station, though, you recognize the quality of trains. They come and go. You're there. You're stable. You're conscious of, instead of being conscious as this. You're conscious of. Yeah. Oh, man, it's nice. So you're living an interpretation. You're not really living. It's an interpretation. 
So life goes on, and the mind's habit is that, and you've gotten used to the unbearability of not being here, really. And so maybe you have a lot of pictures to show you were here, and a lot of memories, and you've joined a lot of clubs that represent that you've been here, and you've got a lot of zeros in your account saying, I was really here, look at how much money I made, or look how much money I owe, or whatever. You know, you come up with some kind of story that really verifies that you were here, and you had value by doing that. So there's the mind. And then what happens is the moment of death occurs. And the whole, this dies. Yeah? Now, you're in limbo land because you are waiting for the mind's interpretation of the previous moment in the moment of death. So the moment of death, let's say, is like a bus that you've been waiting for, for supposedly your whole life. All life was about be at the corner of Fulton and Market and get on that 33rd. Whatever you do in your life, make sure you don't miss that bus, because that's the bus out of here, into a realm of celestial bliss or whatever. Do not miss that bus, no matter what you do. Make your whole life committed to being aware when that bus comes. So there you are, and it's representing, hey, that newspaper boy missed my porch yesterday. Yeah? So you're in that interpretation, and the moment of death occurs, and you basically miss the bus. Because <laughs> now... It's over, and your attention is lingering, waiting for your head to tell you it's over. <laughs> but when it was over, the head's over. And he got caught with his pants down, because it was never in the present moment. And the present moment was its demise, and all it was was getting ready. It was in the interpretation of the previous moment. Bye-bye. Now you have to get back here and try to get to the station again. <laughs>
don't even see how out to lunch we are. Hey, I never go to this beach, but you're at the beach now. I never surf Cronkite. I just saw you come out of Cronkite. <laughs> but I never surf you. Okay, that's your story. But I just saw you surf you. How can you keep holding on to the story? I never surf you. I just saw you surf you. <laughs> this idea is unbelievable. It's so disturbing. You have a take that's not even close to what's going on. You actually think you are the star of this movie. You think the ants see you in the same light? If you didn't move for long enough, they'd be all up your nose and mouth. They'd suffocate you. You'd be another piece of uh, product for their colony. You think crows respect you? They just see you as bigger. <laughs> if they're above you, they'll shit on you like anything else. You ever see that? One of my greatest days when I was young, my big brother used to beat me up, you know, not fairly every day. But he thought he was like uh, Charles Atlas, you know. He worked out a lot with weights. And he was about 19, and my family, we went to a, yeah, I was about 12. We went to Jones Beach in Long Island. And so he was walking, strutting his stuff through the parking lot with no shirt on. And the rest of the family's laying behind. He's like, and then a seagull just dropped a big load right on a thing. And I just laughed. Unbelievably, of course I got a beating, but it was so, it was worth it all. He just looked so, all over. <laughs> That's what happens. You take a position here, you'll be shat on sooner or later. Look at all those guys that take a position against gay rights and then they're going away with some guy they got on a gay porn site for two weeks. And he's a big right wing Christian. I mean, come on, it always happens. Everyone's dirty here. The mind goes this and that, yeah? You try to be a saint, you'll be a sinner. You're neither. Alright? Well, any questions? Yeah. This turned out to be a nice day out here, right? Hmm? Oh, yeah, you're welcome, bro. Now, this is awesome. One meeting we have, we have organ music Monday. Wednesday we have a flute. Today we have the birds. They're singing. They're like a little choir over there. It's unbelievable, isn't it? What a lucky situation we have. We have the time and the convenience to come here and entertain. Other people are so in the throes of this place, they can't entertain being free of it. They're too busy surviving. There was this one teacher I used to see in India. And any person who came in there knew. The first thing they'd ask him was, are you all right? Do you have a place to stay tonight? Did you eat any food and everything? And then he says, they said, yeah. And they said, okay, then we can talk about this. But you know, a lot of us are so busy, 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 busy. We got the great pleasure of entertaining that we're not. Some people are so bent on having to act as they're not, they take themselves to be that. It's like a really great gift to me. That's it, no questions, so cool. I will pass the basket or let me pass the hat or something. Can I borrow your hat for San Francisco hat? I have to become a San Francisco giant.